and then we'll go through it piece by piece. And that is Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This part of Genesis has been read uh, many times at weddings and, and things of that nature, specifically that last verse of the two becoming one flesh. I'm sure we've heard that before. Uh, but I actually want to start our study at the first verse um, because I think there's an interesting point that sort of starts off this section. When the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. The word man here is, is being used in a specific sense. I mean, the Lord is talking to Adam. But I think there is a, a little bit of application we can still draw from that. It is not good for Adam to be alone. I mean, I, when I think about that, I was looking at it, why is that? I don't think it's some sort of uh, command against singleness, as some have, as some have read it, uh, I mean, we know elsewhere in the Bible, Paul, when, when talking about his ministry in that context, in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, he actually said to the unmarried and the widows, it was good for them to remain single as he was. So it leads us to what does verse 18 here in Genesis chapter 2, what does that mean? Well, as always, we start with the context. We look at some of the things that are going on in Genesis chapter 2. There's a, a lot of interesting things, obviously. But just above the section we read, in sort of verses 15 through 17, uh, something fairly noteworthy happens. God commands Adam that he can eat everything he wants in the garden, but don't eat of that tree. He says, on the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. We have the introduction, at least in some form, of almost a temptation. Because any time there is rules or structure given, there's a temptation, at least a... Comes quick, quicker to some than others, but to me, the moment you give me a rule, I'm thinking about breaking that rule. I mean, I don't. I'm just maybe I'm a bit more flawed than other people, but uh, there was a structure introduced, and with that structure, there was that aspect for the man and the woman of temptation. And when I think about being alone, would you say it's easier or harder to resist temptations alone? Of course, we know how this particular instance worked out. But, I mean, if we're, if we're talking in general, I would say it's easier to resist temptation of various kinds when you have a partner. And if we think about this, not just in the, the romantic man and woman sense, but if we expand it to maybe a, a social connection in general, I think it is easy to handle any sort of uh, things like this not alone. Recovery programs... 
of all kinds. They, they utilize what's called a sponsor or a mentor to help guide someone through this process. People who are trying to make a change in their lives, or they're going to the gym, or they're starting a certain diet, regularly do so with the help of an accountability partner. I know for me, it is a lot harder to cancel something I've made plans with somebody than if I'm just going myself. Accountability is always a, a good thing. We can find this in other scriptures as well. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Another favorite of mine is Proverbs 27.17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It is good for us to have people who work alongside us. And not always, as I said, in a, in a romantic man and woman sense, but just in a sense of companions or friends or peers. It was not good for Adam to be alone because Adam needed accountability. Another thing we see in, in that section right before what we read in verses 15 through 17 is God assigns Adam a task. Verse 15, the Lord puts him in the garden to work it and keep it. It's certainly a situation where two heads or two sets of hands are better than one, isn't it? If we went all the way back to the creation in chapter 1, we'd see that God gave man dominion over the rest of natural creation and said to subdue it and to uh, use it to be a good steward of it. I would suggest one reason it's not good for Adam to be alone is that he needed help. He needed assistance. Those of you who have tended farm or crop, uh, farms or crops or, or livestock know it does not take very much for that work to become too much for one person. Imagine if your farm was only the world. <laughs> if you were overseeing all creation, I think a helping hand might be nice. And remember, he didn't just give him uh, one set of hands. But if we look at Genesis 1.28, he said, here's a helper and here's how you can get more helpers, actually. But uh, accountability and assistance, at the very least, are a couple of many reasons this is not good for man to be alone. But more importantly, I want us to recognize that this expression, this verse we've heard before, is straight from God, from our Creator, from our Designer, the one who knows us. There are reasons it is not good for man to be alone. And we'll continue kind of exploring that as we read this, this next section here. <clears throat> Look at verse 19. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. One of the other... Uh, reasons I think it's not good for man to be alone is I think there is danger in being alone too much. Because we can start looking for things to replace that loneliness. We can start looking for things to fill that void. I know we're going down a bit of an emotional road, but if you've, if you've ever been alone for a long time, you understand what I'm talking about. And I know in today's day and age, it's hard to fathom 
where, we can, where we're so connected through technology all the time, it's hard to fathom being truly alone with no contact to, to friends or family or anybody for an extended period of time. But if you ever have been in that situation, you, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, back when I was in college, uh, I worked at a Panera for a little while, and at one point I was the overnight baker. It was pretty cool, actually, making fresh bread and uh, cookies, bagels, and stuff like that. And I'll tell you, once you've had bread like fresh out of an oven, it will ruin all other bread for you. I know bread makers at home are a rare thing these days, but if you have them, you will never want store-bought bread again. But uh, so, so I'm doing all that, and our shifts were about 7 p.m. to about 5 or 6 a.m., uh, four nights a week. And the store closed at 10 and didn't open again till about 6, so for about seven or eight hours a night, I was alone. This big kitchen with all the ovens and racks and stuff, just me. And after a few months, after I'd gone what felt like all of the music in existence, uh, I started listening to podcasts and different radio sh- I started listening to radio news because I started realizing I just missed the sound of people talking. A weird thing had begun to happen in my brain where I just I started realizing, I, especially because I was alone 40 hours a week and I had a nocturnal schedule pretty much on my days off, I just missed talking to people. I miss social interaction. Many of the other guys I worked with at at other stores and at other places, and I'm sure if you've ever worked a job where you've seen people who work overnights, they're interesting people usually. uh, It it takes a different kind of person to do that, I think, because a lot of the other guys I worked with, uh, they had various ways of coping with the stress and the differentness of overnights. Most of those ways were not healthy just to be frank. <laughs> um, what we're getting at is when we're faced with overwhelming loneliness and we feel just really disconnected from people, uh, I think we do one of two things. We either try to fill that hole with something else to find a substitute for those feelings or we try to just like suppress and ignore and, and push down those feelings entirely, none of which really lead to good things. <laughs> None of which form great habits or good behaviors. The Bible tells us very plainly that this feeling we have, there is no helper in creation. There is nothing in all of creation that is suitable to fill that void that we have when we're not with people. We have built within us an innate desire to be around other people. Not all the people and not all the time. Don't get me wrong about that one. But we're social creatures. We're made that way. We have a desire to be around other people built in that I think is a part of who we are. I think that longing that we have when we've been truly alone too much, I think it's supposed to be there. It's good for us to feel connected to other people. As the text says, there's... Uh, There's not a helper fit for Adam because there's nothing else in all of the rest of the created world that could fill the hole that he was, that he had. And and this is a concept we find all throughout Scripture. In a New Testament setting, in in church context, we use this word fellowship all the time. What we're really talking about at its core is just spending time with one another. Paul 
begins one of his letters to the Romans. He, he talks about how he longs to go to Rome and to see them. In Romans 1.12, he says that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He's talking about connection, building each other up, encouragement. Hebrews 10.24, and I actually had this written down before Todd read it this morning. For great minds, I guess. But Hebrews 10.25 gets cited a lot. We're talking about neglecting to meet or abandoning the fellowship, right? But I'm so glad Todd started earlier than that because verse 24 says, Consider how to stir up in one another love and good works. And we talk about social connection, especially in the context of, of the church. We're here for a reason. We're not just here just to be here. And we're not just here so someone can't say we weren't here. <laughs> there is not a replacement for what we do when we can connect to other people. It's a very scripture-based idea. That's straight from the Bible. That's straight from the horse's mouth, you could say. I was not one of those people who fought virtual services or classes or what have you in uh, areas that had to do that uh, a couple years ago, last year, when that became necessary. Because to me, I'm thinking anything is better than nothing. Because so, I had been in a place where I was like, I've had no interaction, so I'll take virtual if that's what it takes. Um, you know, in person, better, of course, but something is better than nothing. But I think outside of that, when circumstances dictate that sort of interaction, I think outside of that, we live in so many ways in a world of fake social interaction. And I don't necessarily mean fake as dishonest, although there's probably an element of that too. But really, I mean like as in shallow or not deep, or not genuine. I think social media has sort of tricked us into feeling like we've interacted with somebody when we really haven't. We see posts, or we see pictures, or we get life updates, but we don't actually talk to them. We don't actually get to know them. We don't actually exchange feelings or emotions. There's not a real connection. I read about a particular study that was done from 1991 all the way to 2012, you can grasp for a second all the changes that happened in that span of time. They tried to measure exactly this sort of thing. And, and over that time, they found that people actually reported, like they said, they were less lonely. But at the same time, a deeper examination of their behavior found they were more isolated. Over time, more and more people agreed with statements like, I often feel left out of things. Or I wish I had more good friends. And less and less people over time agreed with statements like, there is always someone I can turn to. I think we are a very isolated society in many ways. And I think at least a small part of that is because we've tried to replace something that is irreplaceable. Genesis chapter 2 verse 20 tells us there is not a helper in all creation suitable for us. It was not good for Adam to be alone. And if you are someone who feels alone, you can't go chase that feeling anywhere else. I want to look one last time at the, the end of the text, starting in verse 21. <clears throat> so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. 
Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When I read this verse, my first thoughts are, what else is there to say? <laughs> I think it's when we've read and we've heard so many times in, uh, and probably actually in the correct context that we've, when we read it, we grasp the meaning of it immediately. Or at least I think we feel the meaning of it immediately. We understand the emotions of that phrase immediately. Because there is no way around the, the bold and powerful emotions that we have when we read those words. And I think... Unfortunately, I think those are both positively and negatively. I'm sure all of us have seen uh, both the beauty and the pain of what two becoming one flesh can mean. To tear back into two pieces something that the Bible describes as one flesh is uh, about as painful as it sounds, isn't it? There are no guarantees built into verse 24. And we can't ignore the double-edged nature of that analogy, of that expression of the two becoming one flesh. But there is a beautiful side to it. That if two people love one another, two people submit to one another, if two people hold fast, as the text says, they can be that helper suitable for one another. They can fill that desire for companionship. Genesis 2.24 is about a man and a woman literally created for one another. To fit together like two puzzle pieces, to complete each other, to balance each other out, that one may be strong when the other is weak. There are, in Scripture, there are three institutions ordained by God. There's, there's us, right? There's the church. There's the government or civil authority, and you could find that from Genesis 10, Acts 5, Romans 13. And then there's the home. The home is the oldest. There's the first. There's a primacy that comes with that. But the family was instituted by God. I don't know if you've heard this expression before, but uh, if somebody wanted to call something really old, They'd say, you know, on the eighth day, God created so-and-so. I'm not sure if you've heard that before. I don't know if it was exactly the eighth day. But if you read Genesis 2, on the seventh day, God rests. And right after that, he creates a helper. He creates man and woman. And he creates them for each other. It's a beautiful thing. The scripture tells us it is not good for man to be alone. And I think being truly alone can often make someone feel incomplete. It can give us a sense of longing. And try as we might, we will not fill that incompleteness with anything else in the world. But when we do find that person, that person we can hold fast to, when we can walk with them in our walk with the Lord we can be a little more complete. For two people to enter into a, a covenantal relationship is a beautiful thing, and I'm glad we got to be a, a small part of witnessing that this weekend. 
But if you're with us this morning and, and you have any need, if you want to hear more about being part of God's newest institution, as I mentioned earlier, uh, come forward now. Now is the time while we stand, while we sing.